Yep. That never... I was going to say it never gets old. It got old very quickly. Our, our recording thing. Yeah. It's kind of weird because it's like we have our Zoom digital voice versus like extremely successful podcasts who have somebody who like leads them in. Oh, yeah. We don't have that. <laughs> yeah, we don't have that. No, nah, we're just. You'd like to edit our podcast. First of all, good luck. Second of all, I don't know where we're finding money yeah we do this for fun i yeah every other saturday i mean the podcast is fun the podcast itself is fun we did have a cat sighting for a hot minute but he went to uh go lay down where it's now more comfortable so i mean very relatable content do what you got to do my friend uh we're not talking about the book hello welcome to unfortunately required reading uh, in this episode, as I mentioned on Twitter, uh, Tori drags me out to a rye field, which is about as equal enjoyment to this book. Honestly, I'd rather be in a rye field. I would much rather be in a fucking rye field. Uh, we're reading Catcher in the Rye. Uh, J.D. Salinger was a weird dude, and I'm looking forward to telling everybody how weird he was. He's my favorite reoccurring character on Bojack Horseman. <laughs> that's a real thing that i didn't know it this week yeah he's a real reoccurring character on bojack horseman where he says he faked his own death and now he's just like writing schlocky tv sitcoms <laughs> that actually translates to, to something his kid said anyway and something his kid did yeah so uh do you want to do we need to give like a soft trigger warning for incel bullshit uh, if you want to, like, I don't basically don't holding Caulfield is insufferable. If, uh, yeah, which also there's a fun Easter egg about mm-hmm. that later. Uh, yeah, uh, trigger warning for insecure, sad man shit. I wish I could get that on dating profiles. It's like warning, sad man child, may you slur in bed. I'm sorry, back up. What? <laughs> Has somebody called you the word of words in bed, or is it more like them calling you like my Nubian princess? I personally have never been called a slur in bed, but there's definitely been stories of women and men of color like being called like accidental air quotes slurs in bed. Yeah, accidental, I'm sure. Because there's nothing more sexy than being called the N-word. We are not putting that on the sticker. Yeah, good. That would not translate. No, absolutely not. Never. I finally got some new stickers in the shop uh, because I have not had spoons. So all hail me and my glorious spoons. I do love the (laughs) air goes pussy in the wind. (laughs) Yes, it's a good one. It's a very good one. Uh, I am currently now drinking rye whiskey and Dr. Pepper out of a mug that says Mothman believes in you. Uh, speaking of, did you see all the squishables I sent you? I didn't get a chance to go through them individually. I did just see that there was one that was like a little demon one. There's a Jersey Devil. <gasps> we're getting Mothman. Of course we're getting Mothman. We're getting Krampus. Krampus, I want to hold him. I'm so excited, but I pre-ordered the Jersey Devil. It's like, there's no way there's a Jersey Devil squishable and I'm not getting it. Like, that's, sorry, add to cart. I was going to buy a Cerberus for Brianna because she's obsessed with Lore Olympics. And I'm like, yes, yes, I will foster that all day long. But they sold out before I could buy it. And I was like, oh. I think they're working on like a massive version of it. And those are like three to four feet tall. So she has no room in her bedroom. Right now she has a giant teddy bear she got for like Valentine's Day that's in the closet. <sighs> Yeah. Very, very relatable content. <laughs> so, uh, our friend the, the bear, he's in the closet. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so the creative title that Tori gave this is like Ducks on a Frozen Pond, which I always think is hilarious. If you need some serotonin, uh, ducks landing on frozen lakes, very fun. So, we're going to drink our rye whiskey or leave it here to be absorbed. Fester. 
by the ancestors or something. Anyway, short story long. Holden Caulfield is a hot mess. He's a spicy disaster. And his Mm -hmm. story takes place about 1950. And while Mm -hmm. he doesn't tell us exactly when he is telling his story, he lets us know that he is undergoing treatment for his mental health. Mm-hmm. He goes into the story of how a few years or days before at the end of the fall term and Christmas season, this was when things were happening and that mm-hmm. he was 16 years old. So, so this is like towards the end of basically his last year in school. No mm-hmm. spoilers. Anyway, this book is almost, God, what is this? Like 70 years old? There's no spoilers. Anyway. I was going to say, how do you spoil this? It's Saturday in his 16-year-old youth and uh, he's just finished classes at Pensy Prep School in Agerstown, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He has already failed out of three schools, and it's not looking good on the fourth one. And he's being expelled for failing four out of his five classes. He isn't scheduled to go home until Wednesday, so he goes to say goodbye to his history teacher. And the teacher, Spencer, tries to get on his case about failing because he mm-hmm. sees a lot of potential in this kid. But Holden gets super annoyed about it and just like pieces out. Uh, yeah yeah he goes back to his dorm and complains about how gross his neighbors and roommate are stratlitter is his roommate and he's spending the night on a date with jane gallagher a girl that holden used to date this is this is already not good he nope. still thinks jane is cool holden is frustrated and nervous about stratlitter taking jane out when he gets home he immediately starts to ask if he tried to have sex with her i'm sorry i'm sorry even when when my roommates would come home and they weren't dating people I knew, I didn't immediately go, did you try to have sex with them? Anyway. Yeah, I, I don't get ah. Being a dude, Stradletter starts to tease Holden and Holden loses his shit and attacks him. Stradletter mm-hmm. punches Holden into the nose and our little rage monkey ends up with a bloody nose. Yes. He says, fuck it, and goes to stay in a hotel in Manhattan the three days early and doesn't bother to tell his parents he's come home to town which again i mean like i understand needing a day but okay anyway let's be real we're already starting to see him spin out and we're at the start of the book okay yes so he gets on the train to new york he runs into the mother of one of the students at the school who he thinks is a total asshole but he makes Mm -hmm. up stories about how the lady's kid is super quiet and well respected he gets to Penn Station, goes into a phone booth, but ends up just standing there trying to figure out who to call so he doesn't call anybody. Like, Ugh. I'm a little thankful that they didn't have cell phones. Uh-huh. He hops into a cab and asks the cab driver where the ducks in Central Park go when the lagoon freezes. And the cab driver, like any New York cab driver, is like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Takes Holden to the Edmund Hotel. So Holden mm-hmm. can see some folks' rooms like into them because he's on the opposite wing of the hotel and he sees a dude put on silk stockings, heels, a bra, a corset, and then an evening gown. He Mm -hmm. sees a woman and a man spitting their drinks into each other's mouth. He's freaked out by it, but he also realizes that he's a little bit aroused. Mm -hmm. Which, oh honey. (laughs) He smokes cigarettes and calls a woman named Faith Cavendish. Faith is not someone he's ever met before, but he got her number from a dude at Princeton who told him that Faith used to be a stripper he thinks she might have sex with him and calls her. She's like, who the fuck are you? And why are you calling me in the middle of the night? But she, for some reason, offers to meet him the next day. Holden mm-hmm. decides that he needs sex now. So he hangs up without arranging a meeting. Like, it reminds me of those commercials of, I have a structured settlement, but I need cash. I was just thinking that. And I don't like that you did that to me. I'm sorry. No, you're not. Listen, I had to read this book in high school and was surrounded by all of these people who were like, yeah, this book really speaks to my soul. And I'm like, so you're just trash. I, I got in, I, I had to keep my mouth shut that entire lesson. Let's just be real. Yeah. I. Uh, he goes uh, down to a bar at the bottom of the hotel called the Lavender Rule, which. I wonder if that's foreshadowing for something later. Hmm. The waiter is like, hey, you're a minor, so I'm not giving you any drinks. He flirts with three women. Not get the fuck out. Sorry. Sorry. I have to pause there. Right? You know what? My dad used to work at a bar and club when I was a kid. He used to work at the Caravan of Dreams. So I spent a lot of my time 
hanging out at a jazz bar as a child because I am a comic book character. But outside of me being there, because I was literally a staff member's kid, any minor was like GTFO. So Holden starts flirting with these three women in their 30s who are looking for a celebrity. They really have no interest in the 16-year-old child. Naturally. He dances with them and he starts to fall in love with the blonde, which Immediately. come on. They end up leaving and he lets and they let him pay their whole tab. I mean it's the 1950s. It's what, like 10 bucks? <laughs> so he leaves the lobby, has a flashback about Jane Gallagher and spending summer vacation in Maine with her, playing golf and checkers, holding hands at the movies. Jane's stepdad evidently came out and asked why they what they were playing, and Jane was crying, and Holden tried to kiss her all over her face. But she wouldn't let him kiss her on the mouth. Mm-hmm. There's there's mm-hmm. a lot going on there. So Holden takes yeah, a cab a to Ernie's jazz club in Greenwich. He asks the duck question again. And this time our new New York cab driver is like, what the hell is wrong with you times two? He sits at a yeah. table by himself, as in Holden. And he is a dick to pretty much everyone in the club. I mean, you're underage, dude. Don't Don't push it. He runs into his older brother's former girlfriend, Lillian Simmons. She's like, come mm-hmm. sit with me in my date. And he's like, uh, I need to meet someone and like goes back to the hotel. Which I'm questioning how he's affording. Same. So the elevator operator offers to get hold in a sex worker for $5. Now I'm saying sex worker. That's not what's listed in the book. I'm trying to be trying to be nicer than jd salinger puts it that's also not like he was not nice no the worker sunny comes in and holden's like wait 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 wait. i don't think this is actually what i want so he tries to make conversation with her and she said is she's like oh come on baby and he's like i had a spinal operation and my dick doesn't work it's not how dicks work (laughs) why did we read this in high school anyway he offers to pay her anyway, and she sits on his lap and tries to talk dirty. So he gives her $5 and says, please just leave. She comes back with the elevator operator named Maurice, and he punches Holden in the stomach after demanding more money. Shocking. Could this be a pimp? Sonny takes $5 from his wallet, and he goes to bed. He wakes like, you're still staying at the hotel. Anyway, he wakes up. He calls Sally Hayes, another girl he used to date. They Mm -hmm. agree to meet up and see a matinee of a play. He has Mm -hmm. breakfast. He talks to two nuns about Romeo and Juliet and gives them $10. Why are we giving people money? Where is he getting the money? Anyway, he calls Jane Gallagher. Her mom answers, so he hangs up. He -hmm. goes by Central Park to see if his sister Phoebe is there. She isn't, so he helps one of her classmates tie their skates. She tells him to check out the Museum of Natural History, even though... He's pretty sure his sister's class won't be there anyhow. He doesn't go in and he takes a cab to the Biltmore to meet up with Sally Hayes. We're all, I just want to understand where money is coming from. I have a hard time with it too, because I've been to New York and it's expensive as hell. Maybe in the fact if you're a white man, it wasn't so bad. No, I mean, yeah, like everything is more expensive because boomers have ruined our economy and we're currently at war. Even though we say we're not at war, we're at war. Uh, and there's a global pandemic and everything is more expensive because, you know, boomers ruined the economy, but things still cost money. Yeah. And 16 year old Holden probably didn't have a job. Like, and white privilege can only get you so far. I mean, it can make some people president, but it can only get you so far. (laughs) So anyway, he and Sally... They go to a play. Sally talks to some guy that she knows. Holden gets annoyed. They go to Radio City to ice skate. They both mm-hmm. suck at ice skating and they sit down mm-hmm. to talk. And he complains about everything school, life, existence, and then goes, yeah. Hey, you and me, we should run away to Massachusetts or Vermont together. And she's like, yeah that's not gonna happen you crazy fuck and he goes Mm -hmm. you're a total pain in the ass and laughs at her and she's Mm -hmm. understandably pissed and gets up to leave and he starts to pepper her with these half-assed apologies and she's just like no no what is wrong with you Mm -hmm. holden calls jane gallagher 
again he calls somebody else carl loose sorry holden student advisor from previous his previous school who's now at columbia they have mm. a drink after dinner and he goes to the movies to kill time holden tries to get this guy to talk about sex loose gets annoyed about holden's comments on gay people and his chinese girlfriend and holden just keeps drinking he gets wasted he calls sally hayes again he goes to the lagoon in central park and is freezing he tries to sneak into his parents' apartment and ends up waking up his sister. He tells her he got kicked out of school and she's pissed. He says he hates school. She says he hates everything. He tells her a whole fantasy about being a catcher in the rye and catching children before they fall off the cliff from a Robbie Burns poem. He calls his former English teacher and ends up at his apartment and Mr. Angelini tries to counsel him. But Holden is super tired. So Holden wakes up to Mr. Angelini reaching to rub his forehead like innocent gesture this becomes a whole discussion later he thinks that mr antolini is trying to seduce him and bails and ends up sleeping on a bench at grand central station he leaves a note for phoebe at her school to say he's leaving and to meet him at lunch at the natural history museum she shows up with her clothes and asks colton to take her with him he gets pissed she cries and won't speak to him he walks to the zoo and takes her to the carousel. He buys her a ticket and watches her ride. It rains, but Holden is happy watching his sister on the carousel. He tells readers he's not going to talk about going home or being sick, but he's optimistic about going to a new school next year. What? And we give this to uh, juniors. I okay so i hate this and you really didn't have to read this in school maybe i never had to read this in school maybe they finally went oh wait this doesn't really like hold up to time and we probably i never had to read this in school and i i'm so jealous of you right now no, I hate this more than you could ever imagine. Uh, this is the worst, and we are no longer friends. <laughs> what is this book? Why is this book? What is merit of this book? Because, you know, we have to go back to the central crux of this podcast, which is if we're making people read this, what is the message we're trying to push? And most of the time, it's something about like, you know, how to fit into society. That's usually why we do this, or it's to learn about an exotic society, which depending on where you are, your mileage on exotic changes a lot. You know, for some people, exotic is the house on Mango Street. <laughs> you know, for some exotic, that's very exotic. No, it's true. People. It's true. And that's why I was laughing. I'm like, it's like, that's very exotic for some people. For some, you might even read a little bit of other work that you might read Anansi the Spider. And that's about as exotic as you get, but it's only the wishbone version. So you don't actually see any Africans. I'm over here dying right now. <laughs> so what is the point of this book? Who is this for? outside of every man that has probably tried to call me a slur for having an opinion. So what I think is fascinating about this is when we were going, reading this book, mm -hmm. people were stoked because there was swearing and all sorts of stuff and you could get away with reading it in class. That was basically mm -hmm. the excitement. And we were all honors English kids, so it was boring. Like, we're like, oh yeah, we get to swear. I was like, you guys, you can, you can swear. Mm -hmm. Just don't do it in front of the adults who might punish you. Like, come on there are there are rules there are regulations we figure it out we move around them which says a lot about me now anyway um but i remember reading this and just being like what why are we teaching guys that this is normal behavior like why are we reading this are we are we talking about the, how absolutely insane this guy's behavior is and then all these people in my class i think there were three of us who are like maybe four i'm not really into this this feels really like a bad thing like he's he's in 
therapy. Like he's in treatment right now. And I will tell you right now, so much of that was missed in my class. They're just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, he's standing up for himself. And you know, he's going to fight the man. I'm like, what man? He's fighting himself. Anyhow. So uh, there's technically some themes and there's definitely themes that we're skipping over because as you notice, we're probably going to take the more modern reading of this, which is with benefit of hindsight. So if you're looking for a very traditional reading of this book, I definitely say go watch Crash Course because John Green has actual opinions about this book because he's a, okay, I'm going to say something mean about John Green for the first time in my life because sometimes he's an insufferable white man who probably as a youth saw himself in Holden Caulfield and now people just have mean conversations about why this 50-year-old white man really enjoys writing sex between teenagers, especially about busty manic pixie dream girls. Oh, I thought we were talking about J.D. Salinger. Oh, Anyway, I will. Uh, so John Green has some great opinions about this because he is our Holden Caulfield. He just down to went to therapy, got better. People have complicated feelings about. So John Green has excellent opinions about it. We are not impotent white men. Ergo, we do not have soft opinions about this book. So if you are hoping for a nice, delicate, charitable reading of this book about loss of innocence and a tragic time and a special, special boy who's special, special and special, special confused and is trying so hard. Fuck you, fuck your favorite color, fuck your favorite vegetable. We're not talking about that. I'm sorry, how did favorite color and vegetable come into this? That's actually an oatmeal joke uh, where he talks about like turn signals and it's like, if you don't use your turn signal and it's just like a range of like fuck you fuck your favorite color fuck your favorite vegetable if you happen to have one and it's just like been in part of my lexicon forever now uh it's fair so we're gonna talk about some incel shit uh i have been watching too many documentaries about incel killers and i am very afraid of the fact that i feel like these people are everywhere and no one tells them that they're dumb and wrong what I find really fascinating is there are multiple women who go to see him and mm-hmm. are like, I remember like in high school, people were like, oh, these girls are just bitches. And I'm like, no, 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 no. These girls recognize that there is something wrong. And if you're, mm-hmm. if you start to look at the limited backstory we get of them, mm-hmm. you kind of get an idea of why they're even willing to go on a a date with him we have jane gallagher whose stepdad very much likely abuses her Mm -hmm. like if you're reading into the text we have faith cavendish who was a former sex worker Mm -hmm. we have sunny who is a current sex worker Mm -hmm. we have people who are have gone through some extreme trauma at the hands of men and think that this is the only way to get through but even they are like nah Mm-hmm. This is this is too much. You need help. Um, yeah, Sally Hayes. Like I feel for that girl because she s- seemed like she was probably like, I'm gonna go to the movies with this guy. We used to go out. I'm gonna be nice. We're gonna hang out, you know. And then he starts being like, I hate everything. I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. And then is like, let's run away to Vermont. Like what no well it's just like i definitely want a hallmark on and like tori's been with me for this if you've listened to if you've been listening to the podcast for a while which i just realized we have like a four-year anniversary coming up which how right first of all how are we not to 100 episodes too how's it been four years um you know you've heard me like talk about dating and dating experience and like you know being the pick me girl who's not like any of the guys and just wants to be a bro but also sexualize me a little bit because i have daddy issues um just put I that probably... in your dating profile that's your dating profile now it's like i'm just one of the guys i'm not like other girls but also sexualize me just a little bit because i have giant tits and daddy issues uh 
So, you know, we, I talked about, I've talked about very, very frankly, you know, how many guys, you know, we've both kept around just because we don't want them to murder us. Like, like we say that as a joke, but also it's not a joke. Like how many interactions with men are kept so we don't get murdered? And it's weird because here's one thing I wish that men understood about female spaces is that a lot of this stuff comes off as a joke. We are joking, but it's also true. <laughs> so we might make it a joke and we might laugh about it in our girl circles where we're all doing witchcraft because that's all we're doing is taking care of succulents and witchcraft. Um, am I wrong? I was like, you're like, where is the lie? Yeah, where is lie? Uh, Don't tell them. They'll want to come where we meet. Right. It's like, all we do is take care of succulents and witchcraft. Um, but it's it's true. It's it's so true. How many guy friends, Tori, did you have in high school that you kept around just so they would not like be weird? A lot, huh? On the internet or in real life? you know what the fact one the fact they have to delineate and two like same also on the internet and real like there's a lot of interactions that women have that are entirely just hopefully this man won't wear me as a skin I had a my first serious serious boyfriend and I'm sorry Ty you, you don't you don't qualify um was a man who lived in Alabama and part of me hopes that he hears this and like, no. so I I will admit, I wanted to see if he was in prison. So I found him on Twitter and he is, he's like full-blown QAnon. So I dodged a bullet, but we broke up the night he got engaged. He called me and this is like my first year in college, right? Calls me to tell me that he still loves me. And that he's only marrying her because she knows how to suck his dick. And I went, why do you still have this number? But I was very, very sweet because he was drunk and I didn't know if he knew how to find me. So yeah, this stuff is real, y'all. Yeah, I, I remember I met, uh, he was technically my first boyfriend when I was in high school and he was like significantly older than me when I was in high school. Cause you know, that's a normal relationship you get into cough. And uh, like, I met him at Barnes and Nobles cause of course you do. And he's like fully receding hairline like a gross van man. And he's like, you've, it's like, you've become such a beautiful woman. And just like, <laughs> or, you just, or you're just like frothing. And he's like lurking around following me in the store. And I'm, I'm like, looking at exits I'm doing like tactical stuff I'm like trying to find my exit and it's like okay go to go nice season can I see you again never <laughs> I mean I hate to say it I worked at Barnes Noble for about five years off and on and there were there were definitely clients that we had that would walk around and follow us oh, one yeah. girl like had to get the police involved we had one dude, thankfully this was after I left, but he got caught masturbating in one of those big fluffy chairs and they had to throw it out. Guys, don't sit in those chairs at Barnes Noble. The wood ones are fine. Do not sit in those fluffy chairs, especially if it's near the art section where there are pictures of naked women. No. Just, just life advice. So question, 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 life question. Because this will make or break the experience. Were you a freestanding Barnes and Nobles or were you a mall Barnes and Nobles? We were a freestanding Barnes and Nobles in a mall setting. So it was like an outdoor kind of mall situation, oh, like a strip but we mall. were our own building. Okay. Because this is very unique to the American experience. Barnes and Nobles in the mall, completely different animal. Mm -hmm. That is a different store. <laughs> I don't know how. Oh, that is a different store. The super fun thing is, Half the time there is a Starbucks right next door that's a legitimate Starbucks. And half the time the one inside is a Barnes and Noble cafe that serves Starbucks coffee and won't take your Starbucks card. So figure that one out. But honestly, sometimes has better stuff. Like only at the Barnes and Nobles cafe in the Barnes and Nobles can you still get lemon bars and cheesecake with your Starbucks coffee. That's true. I 
I really want to go to Barnes and Nobles now. Uh, but that requires putting on a bra and I don't feel like doing that. So uh, some would say that this is an honest look at how complicated male sexuality is. Cause you know, we don't get a lot of narratives about male sexuality. You know, we just don't have any representation for how complicated and nuanced male sexuality is. If you cannot hear the sarcasm dripping from my lips, you were, you have not listened to this show ever. So I'm gonna tell you right now, when I went on a date with this guy and he told me to read this book, I think it was called Average American Male. And basically, it's basically like if Holden Caulfield grew, Caulfield grew up and decided that he was going to continue to date and just be insufferable. So I remember reading that book and being like, oh yeah, I'm glad that's going to work out with this guy. I'm pretty sure we've both dated that guy though. It's like if Holden Caulfield continued to date, I'm pretty sure we've both dated that guy. I think most women have dated that guy and that's why there is such a huge population so on sad. TikTok for women who've divorced their first husband and are now in a lesbian relationship. I love that so much. Best life. I love that so much. I love like got married at like 18 TikTok and realized it's like, oh, this man's an abuser. And now it's living like a cottage core lesbian life. And uh, here's the thing. I think yes. Amanda would agree too. We're not saying Don't speak all- for me. Okay, maybe not. Not, ah, all men are, not, but not all men are trash. I'm gonna throw mm-hmm. that out there. Not all men are trash. Some of them were raised by wonderful, wonderful women and know how to behave towards mm. women. Um some of them got help and figured out how to be a rational <laughs> being. But there are some that have been encouraged to continue to behave like Holden mm-hmm. Caulfield for the rest mm-hmm. of their lives. So there's a quote, and I d- I'm probably butchering it, but it's I've heard it on TikTok a lot. It's like, while we may find some men agreeable on a whole, we must admit they are rather stupid. That is from Mary Poppins. And it is yes. the very beginning. Yes, the the mom coming back from a suffragette rally. Though we adore them individually. Yes, that. (laughs) It's Um, that. I know this because Brianna watched the original Mary Poppins like 50 times in a row. Yes. So, yeah. I haven't watched that in a while. Also, I don't know why we demonized the suffragette for hating men. Everyone made her sound like she was a flighty bitch, but she was really the one that was right. Um, Yeah, not to mention that people were like attacking suffragettes at that point in time. So she was actually pretty freaking brave. Yeah, but remember, then there's the new movie where Lin-Manuel Miranda ruins another Disney classic and says that feminism is actually bad and banks are your friends. We walk away. So there is a description (laughs) of this book as being innocence lost. Fuck that. And uh, like about how he he truly only feels happy watching his little sister be a little kid. Which I'm sorry, no, pause. I remember John Green talking about that. And I'm like, that's a gross person who needs to be in a jail. So we're about to get a storm probably here in South Texas because first of all, there's a bunch of clouds. And second of all, I'm on the second floor. So the wind just kind of like whooshes through. So if you hear that in the background, I'm not being haunted that I'm aware of. Oh, other than by my cat. Hey, Nemo. Bye, Nemo. I'm being haunted by this protection candle that has left a puddle of black onto my tartan tablecloth. Because uh, that's how I live. But I, I remember like John Green describing that scene and being like, that's a predator. That's a gross person. No. And that is no. exactly why I said there is a reading of this. It's not there a is a reading with. of this that is incorrect. There's a reading of this that's wrong. <laughs> so we're gonna talk a little bit about you know the JD Salinger, like whole his life in the book and everything in the book's influence. And when you kind of figure out the people who latch onto this book, like outside of high school and cling to it. J.D. Salinger was not exactly thrilled about the people who found this book like to be their their be all end all. That's all. But then you shouldn't have written a shitty book. Uh, We need to talk about toxic masculinity because once more it's here to ruin everything. Uh, Holden has definitely an image in his head of what a man is and it's someone who's sexually active. It's someone who's lost their virginity, cough, incel shit. Um, 
it is someone who is brave and self-assured and is a protector the fucking dumb hat that's a symbol that other people will focus on as a false flag to make you ignore all the other incel shit or focus on the fucking hat like it fucking matters it doesn't fucking matter what matters is all the incel shit (laughs) amanda screams in corner (laughs) uh but it's present in this book and you can see all these places where holden is clearly very confused about sexuality and sex i.e really enjoying a transvestite used in the proper sense as someone wearing a female clothing because of course salander is not intelligent or brave enough to tell us that is a trans woman a cross-dresser or just a guy who likes nice clothes <laughs> what I it's think already it, been a long day i know what i think is interesting is it's like he's the descriptions of the these people like engaging in their sexuality engaging in a way that you know they feel comfortable in it's described as so dirty and so and he's so fearful of it but he's so fearful of women in general of sex in general like he literally has a sex worker sitting on his lap and he's like i don't want to do this i don't want to do this but he's been spending the entire night trying to get a woman to have sex with him yeah he's incredibly insecure he doesn't know what he wants he doesn't know who to ask for this information he asks another college student who's like yeah you should already know this stuff which isn't necessarily true but it's like he doesn't feel like he has a safe well i was going to say that he doesn't feel like there's somebody he can ask so he starts asking everybody and i will say in a better book that is a valid thing to question and to talk about that for men who do not necessarily develop, I don't want to say naturally or normally because those words don't mean anything, but do not necessarily hit all those milestones who may be asexual, who may be gay. You know, there's not an easy place to do that questioning without Tumblr, which is the only place. Well, it's fascinating to me too because (laughs) so something I've learned working with um you know like trafficking stuff is working to stop trafficking stuff tori is not a human trafficker i'm not a human trafficker i'm not a human trafficker i think that's my i think that's my favorite is whatever i I volunteer with a group called ransom life and so we do classes about you know what trafficking looks like so on average now boys are finding porn at the age of eight huh and that is like it used to be at least well for my generation because i'm slightly older than amanda um slightly to get to get porn you had to go visit the nice korean lady behind the desk at the the video store or you had to go to the secret dirty bookstore to get it like oh that's what you had to do yeah or you had to get it from the uh cat with the cashier at the 7-eleven not the 7-eleven but like the local store and you had to basically like go up and be like, hi, I'm old enough. Here's my idea. I would like some pornography, I'm please. Sorry. Like think of, when, think of a uh, Gabriel from Good Omens, like John Hamm walking in. I would like to purchase some pornography, please. Except you would say it very quietly and you would like not go to the store that you normally went to anyway. So I don't know why you guys had to do so much. What you can do is go into your grandfather's closet, pull down a shoebox discover that it's full of playboys and tab cola listen when my grandfather died my dad's dad i had to go in and start cleaning out videotapes now this man had a vhs collection that was to die for and it was mostly opera which i thought was amazing mm-hmm. and then i found tangerine and i think it was debbie does dallas in the back of the closet and i was like i am the only one here everyone else went to go get grab lunch and bring it back I'm putting them in the bag. Mm. I'm telling mom and then grandpa, your secret is safe with me. I'm sorry, it is no longer, but you've been dead for a while. Anyhow, um, but evidently that's nothing compared to what my sister and my sister and I found a briefcase in my dad's stuff. And we're talking a locked leather briefcase. And so I'm like, well, you know, we found weird like collector coins in with like Mm -hmm. t-shirts. So, you know, we've got to go through everything. So my Mm -hmm. brother-in-law, bless his heart, breaks the lock off of it. We pull the top back and it is all 
giant VHS tapes from the 80s and 90s of porn. That went immediately into the dumpster. And now looking back, I'm like, we could have sold that, made a fortune. I'm just kidding. Um, not a you call me, call me when you have to clean out your dead mother's apartment and you find not only your mother's pornography, but your mother's sex toys. I don't want to talk about what else my sister found. So anyhow. Like call, like it's not a contest, but there. You were also a lot things. younger. I was much younger. So yeah. Uh, so I do think there's a charitable read in there somewhere that it is hard to figure out sexuality. I will also then immediately undercut that point by saying that women have been having these pear trees and veiled threats to figure out what sexuality is. Many of us are led astray because realistically, all of us are in a giant bisexual long con until our true developed form, which is really all of us are lesbians. The bisexual long con. Oh, I need you to make a sticker that says living my bisexual long con. That's, you know what? I'm honestly working on that for my other podcast. So I will make a variant, but like, cause we were talking about that because we were doing an episode on gender where it's like, if people tend to make it sound like bisexuals, especially lesbian women, make bisexual women sound like we're on this like giant long con. We're on this beleaguered quest until we discover that men are trash and like the true enlightened form is to abandon dick and become a lesbian. The true enlightened, I can't, I love it so much. I love it. This so is why you've kept me around for four years. This is the exact reason. This, this is the exact this was reason. Why? This was why? Oh, there are other reasons? Was it the throwing paper towels? I mean, that was pretty <laughs> impressive. <laughs> uh, so we just talk about getting old as a male. Uh, you know what? It sucks. Uh, there's a lot of impotence metaphors in here. There's also a lot of physical impotence. Uh, apparently, a man's life is over when his dick doesn't work, but you know, there's like a lot of like old, I was going to say training manuals. They're not training manuals. They're sex education books. It's not a training manual. <laughs> I'm not Some drinking. people, it's a training manual. I'm not drinking rye whiskey ever again. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, that the, the boner is as much a head thing as it is a head thing. I pointed in both directions. Uh, that, you know, if your head isn't in the game, like you're not it's not like this, it's not an inflatable tube man outside of a parking lot. Like, it doesn't just, woo. Like. <laughs> what y'all missed was the wacky waving inflatable arm movements that I just got to see. I mean, it's not. Like, like a man's dick is not an on-off switch. Like, men are weird. Why do we keep them? Some of them are pretty cool. All right. Do you want me to talk about James? Crumbles into crumbles into mug of whiskey. Uh okay. Yeah, we can talk about Jerome. Jerome. So JD Salinger's real name is Jerome David Salinger, and he was born on in Manhattan on January 1st, 1919. His family was Lithuanian Jewish. His dad was Sol Salinger, and he traded in kosher cheese, which I think is the coolest job. Anyway, his mom was from Iowa, and she changed her name to Miriam for her in-laws and considered herself Jewish after marrying Sol, which if you, mm-hmm. if you don't know a lot about the Jewish religion, basically to convert, it's a whole process. So basically, she was just like, change my name. I'm Jewish now. And that I kind of I kind of admire <laughs> that. that how, okay. Like is that how it works? Evidently to her it did. My favorite is that uh JD didn't know that his mom was Jewish until after his bar mitzvah. Like, and then he's like, wait a minute, you're not. She's like, well, not technically. Um, he had one sister named Doris. He had a really hard time fitting in at school. Um, He went to McBurney School, private school. He started to call himself Mm -hmm. Jerry. Um, His family called him Sonny. And his parents ended up sending him to Valley Forge Military Academy in Pennsylvania, where he began writing stories Mm -hmm. under the covers. So like he would hide under the bed or under the covers in the bed and write stories. His file- Sounds like me with fan fiction. Right? 
His file from the school says, even though he has a, had an exceptionally high IQ, he was a very mediocre student. Um, he had a lot of dalliances with young women when he was younger. Um, he had one with Una O'Neill, who was the daughter of playwright Eugene O'Neill, but she mm-hmm. ended up with Charlie Chaplin and he wrote a very angry letter to her that included a picture of Charlie Chaplin running down the street holding his own penis. Um, having read about Charlie Chaplin, that might be accurate. Anyway. Um, Isn't she also in Game of Thrones? No, I don't think so. Una Chaplin? Not. No, I'm like, no, it's Una something. No, I think I'm right. I don't know. That's a, there's a Spanish actress named Una Chaplin. No. Oh my I'm gosh, right is it? There was an actress, Una O'Neill, but she was not the one from Game of Thrones. Okay, I might be wrong. Are you, are you thinking about, um, what's her name, right? The Miss um, Tyrell, Queen of the Tyrells? No. Okay, never mind then. Um, are you thinking about the one who was like the James Bond lady? I'll let you look it up. Um, yeah, don't worry. I got this. I'm going to figure okay. it out. Yeah, it is Una Chaplin, the Spanish actress. She's from the Chaplin family. Oh. She was it... in the Red Wedding. Oh, okay. We're thinking. So- okay, got it. Ha! I knew a Game of Thrones. You knew a Game of Thrones that I didn't know. I'm proud of you. Woo! So- I'm also a mediocre white man. <laughs> so our friend Jerry... In 1941, he left a creative writing program he was in and became an entertainment director on a cruise ship. I'm not making that up. Uh, The ship ended up being requisitioned for World War II, so that kind of ended that career. He fought in World War II, and he actually had the first six chapters of Catcher in the Rye in his pocket when he landed during D-Day. He met Ernest Hemingway during the war, and he was like, Ernie is cool, uh, which explains actually a lot. when the war ended, he ended up in a mental institution for PTSD. Um, he got out and then went right back to help denazify Germany. I'm sorry. Can we back up on that term? Can we back up on the term denazify, please? I mean, most of them just went to South America and the U.S., let's be honest. I mean, you're oh, not Russia too. For the space program. What? Our space program, too. Yeah, our, honestly, Come on, let's be of, real. yeah, a lot of our space program too, honestly. We're not here to talk about that. It's also one of the reasons why the most recent Lupin the Third movie made me cackle in a movie theater. So when he was in treatment um, for, again, what is assumed to be PTSD, he met a half German, mm-hmm. half French woman named Sylvia Welter and they got married mm-hmm. and they were married for a total of eight months before he annulled the marriage when he found out she'd been a Gestapo informant during the war. Oops. Okay. So it took a while to get Catcher in the Rye published as people kept assuming Holden Caulfield was insane and Salinger took that personally. Yes. Especially as I'm he sure had been in did. an institution. Um, he met a young girl named Jean Miller when she was 14, and later they had a sexual relationship. I don't think she was 14 at the time, but he wrote the 1950 story for Esme with Love and Squalor for her. He had two kids, uh, Margaret and Matthew. Margaret wrote a memoir Excellent. where she, she talked about her dad going through a homeopathy phase where he drank his own urine, and Matthew said that that was entirely made up. His second wife, Claire, said they didn't have sex very often because he thought women's bodies were impure. He left New York after he became famous and hid out in Cornish, New Hampshire for the rest of his life. For like Mm -hmm. the first few years when he was there, he hung out with local teenagers and he would get them to play Ouija board or with a Ouija board that he had that he called Pierce and he would buy them food. He hated social events, including birthdays, parties of almost every type and holidays. And towards mm-hmm. the end of his life, he went by the name Jerry and he was a complete recluse. He would write for about 15 to 16 hours a day. He wrote for an additional mm-hmm. 50 years and published nothing. What's interesting is there was a story, and I don't know if it was a tweet by Stephen King or if he had wrote and written it in an article because it's been a while. But he said that he used to see Salinger go into the bank and put his stuff in a safety deposit box. Um, 
his son Matthew though says that most of the works that he found post his dad's death are, are trash. I would argue that most people's works put from you know after they've died are trash. Please throw my fan fiction into my casket with me. That does not go into the other part of the you know whole will thing of my chest of books divide amongst my friends. You all may have my books. The fan fiction comes to hell with me. By all means. We're back after a brief intermission. Yeah, so um, gallbladders evidently do serve a purpose, y'all. Anyway, so we're talking about how Matthew said his dad's stuff was trash. And then we were joking earlier about Bojack Horseman. Yes, we were. About J.D. Sonder supposedly faking his own death and writing. Yes terrible tv that, yes. that part is fiction to be determined we don't know though maybe we, yeah we don't know uh so yeah if you watch bojack horseman and jd salinger is a recurring like bit character who now writes sloppy television and i think that's amazing I, there's no other notes i love bojack horseman it's a show that made me feel too many things and occasionally uh gave me moments of pause where it's like why are you in my head i have a friend who like just rewatches it uh, i have multiple friends now you and and my other friend who will just go through periods of life where they're like ah, i'm just gonna binge watch bojack horseman i um, haven't really been watched it in a while like it's been a minute since i've been watched it i have watched the episode where i mean i don't know if it's a spoiler or not but like uh when bojack's mom dies i've watched that funeral episode a few times just because like the way he talks about his mom is like why do you know my relationship with my mom and it's also just funny as someone who also like pathologized grief into humor many, many times. Uh, I'm genuinely just playing with fire at this stage. Uh, turns out uh, I probably do very much have ADHD. I'm getting screened for it and that's gonna be exciting. Uh, so I'm over here just playing with fire as we talk about this boring incel man. Uh, so, interestingly enough his widow actually bought the entire town general store in cornish new hampshire and she was very protective of her husband's privacy because people would try to trick her into doing interviews and she's like nah Mm -hmm. i'm good Mm -hmm. um one of the things i love about the whole like him hating social events is they had a centennial for him a few years back and everybody's like he would have fucking hated that Mm -hmm. um so I was talking about the people who tend to cling to this book as like gospel, right? Yes. About how it can be dangerous. Yes. So the most famous one is Mark David Chapman, who had a copy of Catcher in the Rye in his pocket when he was arrested for shooting John Lennon. And then attempted presidential or President Reagan assassin John Hinckley also had a copy of the book in his hotel room when he was arrested. Yeah. Uh, there's also a pretty decent documentary on uh, John Lennon's assassination that I remember watching drunk in my hotel because it was on HLN. I'll have to see if we can dig it up. But it was like, I've never, kitty! Cat sighting. Cat sighting. He, <laughs> he looks like he's being held against his will. Oh, he is. He hates it. You ready to go? He's perfect, though. Hello, Nemo. Thank you for, thank you for stopping us about talking about assassination sorry i do think that this is one of those weird books though like it just it reminds me of so many books that we have to read in high school and by we not me because i didn't have to read this in high school that it's just like i just feel like so many people take the wrong message from it um you know tori and i are both really in a weird place in nerd culture and i know i've been a lot more vocal about it where you know you have all of these works that you feel like are very obvious. Like you feel like you know what the story is supposed to be. And people just take it the wrong way. Um, Honestly, in a lot of ways, this reminds me of like the killing joke where everyone thinks it's like this giant Joker jerk off manifesto about how awesome and cool the Joker is and how trash women are. Because keep in mind forever and always, Alan Moore hates women. He does. but that's not what it's about. It's about the fact that, yes, it's, it's a giant examination of Kierkegaardian existentialism, that we are all in theory one bad day away, but that also means that you can make the good choice and not be a monster, like Batman, I guess. 
who's not a monster, I guess. Uh, but everyone just takes that as, look at how cool the Joker is. It'd be really awesome to do some violence against women, I guess, because he's right and life treated him dirty. No, you're missing the point because again, Alan Moore hates women and he's a very, very complicated human being who in many of his narratives in which he displays that he hates women, has crafted this legacy of his storytelling is not as crystal clear as he thinks. There's also some great comments that he's made about Watchmen having that same effect, where a lot of people really identify with the wrong side of the story. Oh. Cough, Rorschach. <laughs> the whole thing with like, there are people who are just like, oh my God, he really speaks to my soul. I'm like, then you need help. Right. Let me no, find my God. Yes. Because yes, he absolutely. He's not supposed to be cool. No, he's not. He's not. Like that happens all the time when it's like, oh my God, you know, I just, I love the Joker so much. He speaks to me. Cool. You either need to be in jail or institutionalized. That's not why he's here. <laughs> and you aren't like, supposed to. <laughs> we're not, we're not here to critique your cosplays. We're, we're happy with you having fun with that. But I mean, like if, if okay. your entire personality is. Yeah. Like we're not saying like, you can't like the Joker, obviously. Like that's not what we're saying. It's, but you have, I'm sorry. This is just for ladies. Ladies, are you here listening to us? You've dated that guy. I know you've dated that guy. I've dated that guy. Tori, have you dated that guy? I've dated that guy. That guy whose personality is the Joker. It's his personality. And he thinks he's so misunderstood. You're not a misunderstood. You haven't showered. You aren't a misunderstood savant. You're an idiot. And you don't know what a bath is. You've dated that guy. I was engaged to that guy. I've dated that guy. He gave me Avon jewelry saying it was an engagement ring. <laughs> Don't and don't propose with Avon jewelry. Just a heads up. Do not propose with Avon jewelry. So I think my absolute favorite thing that I came across while reading was it Law and Order Jamie SVU? Salinger. Huh? Was it Law and Order SVU? No. Damn no, it. but just reading about JD Salinger, is there mm -hmm. is a belief and an entire article about the belief that he only has one ball or only had one ball like hitler evidently um so i don't like how i'm sorry i don't like how casually i said that like that's common knowledge to people my brain went oh he wouldn't like being compared to hitler um but anyway uh there is a whole article in the atlantic i will include if you really want to read it mm -hmm. So we've already kind of answered our normal question. Did we have to read this in school? I did not have to read this in school and Tori has taken time away from my life making me read it. But we need to pause for some legacy notes about Holden Caulfield because Holden has become a shorthand in media for a very, very gross incel boy, including an appearance of an incel killer on Law & Order SVU where the killer's name is Holden. So you'll actually see a few different pop culture references of gross incel men being named Holden. And it is actually now one of the least popular names in America because everyone assumes it's a gross, impotent incel boy. That, that's a lasting legacy. So would Salinger to, like to know that? Salinger hated, hated being famous. Hated I it. So right, champion. right after the, the book came out, he was like, what, what the hell? Now keep in mind, he used to have like drinks with uh, Vivian Lee and stuff like that in London. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like he knew about celebrity, but he was like, I hate this. I hate this so much. I don't want anyone talking to me. And he hated the fact that people took the wrong message from the book or what he thought was the wrong message from the book. What um, was his intended message? I think he was just trying to make Holden, you know, like a, a character that people could understand, but he, he was very upset when uh, Mark mm -hmm. David Chapman was found to have a copy in his pocket. And mm -hmm. I mean, most people I think were, um, mm -hmm. he didn't like that. That was part of the lasting legacy of the book is, is Holden basically being considered to be a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. um, I think he wanted everybody to kind of see him as this 
this kid who was suffering and might finally get a chance to, you know, break out of, out of his uh, misery and mental struggles. Um, but unfortunately, that's not how the book comes across. Not at all. Not in the least. Uh, okay, so no, I didn't have to read this in school and I'm actively mad at Victoria for uh, making me read this. I gave you choices, man. I gave you choices. I don't think the other one was any better. No, it wasn't. I don't think either choice you gave me was any better. Uh, I mean, if we're going to continue in impotent, sad man books, we just need to go ahead and read Steinbeck next. Which one? Grapes of Wrath. Didn't we already, did we already read Grapes of Wrath? I don't think we've read Grapes of Wrath. Hold on, we have to go to the archives. How sad is that? We're just at the point now where we're like, what? <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> no. We're not. We're not. Listen, guys, it's been a while. We've been doing this for four fucking years. I am almost 100% sure we have not done Grapes of Wrath. If I'm wrong, which, you know, sometimes I am, let's be very, very frank. I don't think we've read any Steinbeck read. I really don't. I was like, maybe it's because I hate him. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we've read any Steinbeck. Yeah, we haven't. How sad is this that I'm just like, no. Yeah, dude, we have not read Grapes of Wrath. I was right. I don't want to do it. No one wants to do it. Do you want to do of mice of, of mice and men? Oh my god! Is that better? It's shorter. Okay, yeah. Let's read. I mean, yeah, if we're gonna do, I feel like we've done one of them. We, according to our website, we have not. According to the website, we have not. I still love going through and being like frog and toad are queer. Yes yes oh nothing it's just funny it made me happy oh yes yeah please enjoy this a brief uh, respite from our current suffering so wait which one are we doing let's just do with mice and men i had to read that in school i had to read that in school too and i'm gonna please, tell you right yeah. now i had a friend named lenny and a friend named george and it was really <laughs> funny whenever we went out to eat but only for the English majors. I think that's just being an English major in general. Everything is weirdly funny to us. It would be like, <laughs> like out across the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bad person. <laughs> anyway. Yes, you are. Please, please enjoy this uh, brief interlude of tipsy hosts. Tori, how the fuck did you just spell mice in this outline? <laughs> Evidently it's mice. Sometimes I type really fast, but I don't type accurately. Amanda's uh, Amanda's quiet job in the outline recently has been tidying up Tori's typos because I'll try to read it and it just stresses me out so much. What's sad is half the time, like I'll be doing this when I'm on a break at work. And so I'll just be like, okay, I got to put everything yes. in really, really fast. And I got to put this description yes. And then I get a phone call and I'm like, oh no, Amanda's going to see all my typos. And then I'm just quietly in the back, just like, oh, okay. So uh, yeah, we will spare you from continued drunk uh, blathering from hosts. Uh, Tori, where can the good people find us now that we've eviscerated this book that people like for some reason? We're all over social media. We're on Unfortunately Required Reading on Facebook. Unfortunately, RR on Twitter. Unfortunately mm -hmm. required on Instagram, unfortunately mm -hmm. required reading.com if you just want to go to one place. Mm -hmm. And if you want to suggest a book for the podcast, you can do it on social media or you can send us an email at unfortunately required reading at gmail.com. Correct. Uh, this is where we thank our patrons. Thank you so much for your money. Uh, without it, we would certainly be uh, less rich. It is with your funds that we are able to keep our very expensive domain. And I am allowed to continue to cloak myself in exotic prints of birds and fancy clothes, including my favorite, which is a chickadee and Bonnie Prince outfit. <laughs> and I have multiple. Yes, Victoria, 
Is there something no, you'd like to no, say? No, to I'm just sitting here going, I mean, what I have behind me is from when we used to record into in at my house until, you know, pandemic. Um, but I have a sign that says, welcome to our haunted farmhouse. Yes. And a bunch of like dead and breakfast stuff that Amanda has provided. Yes. The, the haunted, uh, well, the library's not really haunted. Yes, it is. I've seen all the dead animals. Yes, it is. It's taxidermy and it's classy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so thank you for your money. It allows me to buy uh, multiple crowns for the headset and birds and fancy clothes. Because and we're both sitting here in like, like t- low low key casual clothes right now. Oh, this is this is an old navy dress. I have a but, uh, tank top that's covered in cat hair since I picked up Nemo. Zero judgment. Uh, if you'd like to join those hallowed ranks, uh, you may do so at Anchor.fm. Slash unfortunately required reading. Uh, again, your money is not mandatory, but it is certainly appreciated. Uh, so yeah, I guess we're doing advice and men next month. Uh, be kind. There is a lot going on in the world. We still have our two designs that are up. Uh, that proceeds go to charity. Uh, that's those aren't coming down anytime soon. So it's not like a finite thing. Uh, please continue to support that. We'll have new designs in the shop. Uh, when I have spoons again, because uh, chronic illness and mental health is no joke. Um, be kind. There's a lot going on everywhere. Um, there's just a lot going on everywhere. And everyone is going through something sometimes. And, you know, we joke about how this book is a sad insult anthem. But I also understand that men go through a unique thing when every depiction they have on the media is a gross, sad incel man. And then also check on your ladies who've had to deal with gross, sad incel men for their entire existences. Yeah. Be kind. Just, just be kind. And uh, in that kindness, just go read a book.